This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All of us together are living through the death of an old world and the birth of a new one. This is a fourth turning, but this is not the fourth turning of demographics or politics. This is the birth of the new technological age. This new world has a world of 3D printed rockets, crypto payments in space, discussions on the rights for humanoid robots, machine intelligence that may outperform our own, simulated worlds where autonomous AI agents write code for other autonomous AI agents. It's a world full of opportunity and full of difficulty too. You see, we are living history, and it's happening much, much faster than any of us can comprehend. This is Reed's Law, Metcalfe's Law Squared. Humanity has never gone through anything like this. But we have to comprehend and understand what is happening. It is into this world that The Exponentialist is born. The Exponentialist is a new service from me, Raoul Powell, and David Mattin, author of New World, Same Humans. It's an almanac of the fastest period of change ever witnessed in the human history. A period of excitement, exhilaration, difficulty and terror. And The Exponentialist really is for humans first and investors second. Yes, the opportunities are enormous all round. To find out more and get our special launch pricing, go to realvision.com forward slash the future. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today or Real Vision co-founder and CEO, Raul Powell, and David Matten, author of New World, Same Humans. Hello, gentlemen. Happy Friday. Hi there, Happy Maggie. Friday, Maggie. <laughs> we made it. Um, and it was, I feel like a lot of people probably feel like that because it was certainly, there was a lot of news, a lot going on, a lot of a lot of action in the markets. We are wrapping up a week-long uh, Exponential Age series, which has been amazing. And I want to talk to both of you about that. But first, let's have a quick check of the markets. And we had an interesting day, the Dow down sharply. It's been a struggle with earnings, um, fears of recession, but the NASDAQ moved higher thanks to blowout earnings from Amazon. Intel also up sharply today. S&P 500 and NASDAQ, though, are both down 10% from their July highs. They're still concerned about the treasury market. And as I'm looking at all those headlines, Raoul, I noticed you posted on LinkedIn earlier this week, don't fall into the narrative trap of social media and investment bank bearishness. We're likely to see a strong push by year end for risk-taking. It doesn't feel yeah. like that. What do you mean? Look, every bull market, you need to have various 5 and 10% corrections. They're healthy. They're what needs to happen. The NASDAQ had its best start to a year almost in history. Um, it's still up 30% after a 10% pullback. Normally, these things are very healthy to see. What we are seeing, and I can see it confusing a lot of people, is this bifurcation where the old economy, stuff like the Russell 2000s, hitting new lows, because the Russell 2000 is pricing in today's economic conditions, which are pretty soggy. They're not great, right? Are we in recession? Are we not in recession? But we're there and thereabouts. NASDAQ discounted that all last year. 
And so NASDAQ has been on a tear, much like crypto has, because they're forward-looking assets based around a secular bull market trend. So for me, I look at the technicals, and I think there's a decent chance we put the low in in equities, particularly the NASDAQ, S&P, others um, today. That's, that's, my, that's my general view. We'll have to wait and see because uh, I'm not a short-term guy, but you know, I know where the trend is going. Um, don't forget election cycle years. This looks identical to the average election cycle year. You always get this correction of this magnitude. It finishes around now, and then normally it goes up into the end um, for both the pre-election year and just the general seasonality. So that's good. Liquidity, even though it feels like liquidity is coming out of the market, if I look at the Fed net liquidity, it's actually been rising slightly, slowly, but rising. So we're not seeing a liquidity draw from markets. We're seeing China stimulating. So that's global liquidity coming. I think any day now, the Japanese will come in and intervene in the currency market and or the bond market. That'll be stimulus. The Europeans were out today or yesterday saying they're done with rate rises most likely. Okay, so that's, that, that changes the liquidity environment. It doesn't yet make it positive, but it makes it less negative. The US looks like it's done as well. We've seen several of the Fed members saying, we're done, let's wait and see. So on balance, things are more positive. So if technology is forward-looking, then you would need to ask yourself, as Stan Druckermiller said, he said, you need to ask yourself what are economic conditions going to be in six months or 12 months' time? Mm. Are rates going to be this high or lower? Is liquidity going to be here or higher? Those yeah, things are pretty easy to answer. It's so hard when you're locked into this sort of negative sentiment today to be able to try to look out. Well, because people want their bear market. They want it. They had it last year, but they it's this dichotomy of forward-looking stuff that prices it in the previous year. The people just want their blood. They, they want it to happen. Um, and usually when that happens, we're seeing kind of significant bearishness in equity markets overall across any sentiment indicator under participation by institutional investors. And so therefore, you know, with the NASDAQ up 30% and the S&P up 8%, it's a bit embarrassing to go to your investors and say, I was in cash all year and I made 5%. Wasn't I great by buying bonds? I mean, that's another weird narrative. It's like, well, with bond yields at 5.5%, who's going to buy equity? So yeah, NASDAQ's up 30%. Go and justify that to your shareholders. Yeah, no, it's very true. That has been, that has yeah, been- Yeah, um... crypto, up a Bitcoin's up 100%. So when you say, well, I've got 5.5% in cash, that's, I'm sorry, that just doesn't add up in the, in the global world of capital gains. I, I just heard someone say um, T-bill and chill as the recommended course of action. T-bill in tears, I would have. <laughs> so um, that, that's so interesting. So David, let me ask you if we, if we sort of focus in on the tech part of it a little bit. Uh, we're seeing, if we just look at earnings, we're seeing some tech companies do really well, Microsoft, Amazon. I mentioned Amazon and Intel today, but we saw others like Google and Meta get slammed. They seem to be cautious about their guidance. How, I think it's confusing for people because if tech is the future and there's so much positivity and yet they seem to be talking about different things, how do we need, it's such a big sector to say tech. I mean, maybe it's not fair to kind of categorize it all like that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that there's there's something to be said for that. I mean, you need you need to you you need to make finer distinctions between the the sort of technology mega trends you're following 
um, and also the regulatory environments and the potential regulatory environments that some of these corporations are going to are going to encounter. I mean, look, I'm not a markets person, certainly not a short term person. You know, I'm just very, very long term directionally sure that there's so much value to be captured here. And we're at the beginning of a of a very long wave of value creation. And inside that, it's about deep diving into particular companies and 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 the regulations they're they're about to encounter, the discussions about AI everyone's having, how is that going to impact Google? You know, I mean, we saw we the the new EU social media regulation is just starting to bite here, and you have Elon Musk talking about withdrawing Twitter um, mm. from the or X now, of course, it's still Twitter in my head. Um, from in all of ours, from, don't yeah, worry. In all of ours, we're it never going to get parentheses forever. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with withdrawing X from the EU because he doesn't want to put up with um, essentially new conditions around, you know, the dissemination of harmful content and so on. So yeah, you you need to you need to make finer discriminations than just tech, certainly. Um, but long term is where I look. You know, I, I look at this on a on a decade on decade uh, level. And yeah. also, Maggie, on a earnings basis, is different tech companies are dri driven by different things. So if you look at Microsoft, it's very B two B. And if you look at Meta, it's B two C. It's advertising. Yeah. Advertising revenues are pretty shitty right now. So you can understand why some of those companies. So if you think of the short term drivers of their revenues, not their tech stack and where they're going. But just what moves their PL up and down on a quarter by quarter basis? Microsoft is seeing the entire world rolling out bloody cloud compute plus AI. So they're riding that wave. Meta's seeing, oh my God, brands are cutting back expenditure. You know, how is the, the uh, Israeli um, Palestinian war going to affect advertisers? People have already said that's happening. Tesla, I mean, Elon came out very clearly and said, with rates this high, people can't buy cars. Um, and that's very typical. We've seen that across pretty much all consumer SaaS businesses or consumer businesses overall, is people just don't have any pocket spending money. Yeah. Uh, but that's, for me, and I think for David's point, these are temporary states of affairs. Um, you know, it's the, the forward-looking basis. I find it very interesting when you get given what I think are gifts of entry points, like they are today, when you've had a correction and everybody's over their ski tips in bearishness. That gets very interesting to me is what I can buy into a sec long-term secular trend um, that people have now discounted. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, Matthew is posting, and we are gonna take your questions, so go ahead and put them in. Uh, Matthew posting, um, greetings from Ireland, super week of education, thank you. Team RV. Thank you. And on that note, um, there have been some amazing conversations. Listen, I just came on right as we were chatting before we came to air, just saying, like, it's Friday, we made it because we, we're all flat out. We know that. So um, all of this is, uh, of course, on the site. You can use the AI to summarize it for you. People can message you if they know but, you in the I chat. Mean, we've had some unbelievable content this week. Yeah. Uh, my jaw uh, in conversations I have, my my jaw has been to the floor in several of these conversations, um, just exploring the exponential age because it just your head explodes how much is happening, how fast it's happening, and how exciting it all is, and how terrifying it all is at the same time. So this week was 
I mean, I've been watching, the only one I've not watched yet was the Aaron uh, McDonald interview, Futureverse. I watched that with a glass of wine tonight because a lot of people, friends of mine, Dan Tapiera, he invested in, in, in Futureverse. And a lot of friends of mine said, hey, listen, you've got to see what these guys are doing. So I got them on Real Vision and Ash interviewed him. So Yeah, well, speaking of, I pulled a clip from Aaron. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little teaser. And the the and to your point, the thing that's fantastic is these are people who've been working for a long time in this space. They've worked in tech, they've worked on other sort of big tech waves. So they've seen this before. They're really, really on the front line of everything. Um, and so in Ash's conversation with Aaron McDonald, who, as you mentioned, founder and CEO of Futureverse, he made a really interesting observation about the role that narratives play. Let's listen, and then I'll, I'll fill in a little bit more on the other side. The hype around AI is all about how can we create, like use uh, generative tools to create, um, you know, worlds and characters and art and um, narratives and interactions with, um, with digital things and make it easier for users to do those things than have ever been possible before. And it's like this complete disconnect between, hey, we're going to create all this awesome new digital content. We're going to enable more and more <clears throat> um, <clears throat> immersive experiences to be generated by users. But where does that content live? Like what, what's going on there? Where's that disconnect? And so this kind of idea that AI can be super successful at, at creating the opportunity to create more digital content and more digital interactions and more digital humans, but the metaverse is dead is kind of a silly one. Um, and even beyond that, if we think about like what, what the metaverse is and our framing of it is the metaverse is just the internet growing up. So David, I thought that was such an interesting observation. And by the way, that was right out of the gate. That's how that's how good this conversation was. But it makes a lot of sense, right? He's saying everyone's saying, "Oh, the metaverse is dead. The metaverse is dead. Long live AI." I can't can't bang it down the doors to get an AI. But he makes the argument it's hard to be bullish AI and bearish the metaverse because in some way, shape, or form, that's where all of this is going to have to live. Like it can't shoehorn in the existing internet. That seemed to make a lot of sense to me. And I really haven't heard that before. Right. And it do, it does make a lot of sense. And the last few years have just been absolutely golden for realizing that, you know, markets are capable of making people completely lose their minds and just get utterly bound up in, in emotion and, and unreason. And that's fine. You know, we're human beings. We all do that. Tech hype cycles also have that power. And we just went through the mother of all hype cycles with the metaverse in 21, 22. And everyone was hugely excited about it. And there was a ton of hype. And look, some of it was a little silly. Um, and now we're just deep in this metaverse winter. And, and some of that's just as silly too. The idea that the metaverse is, is just all bullshit or it's all just going to disappear and there was nothing to it in the first place. Is, is just utterly wrong. Virtual worlds, immersive environments, mixed reality, essentially, as he said, the next evolution of the internet, an internet we can step inside, is a deeply powerful approaching megatrend, and it's going to have huge implications. It will be a part of our shared future. And this point that he's making about the collision of Virtual worlds, you know, the metaverse and AI is so powerful and absolutely right. And it really taps into um, a kind of a parallel point that Evan Helder made in his conversation mm -hmm. with me this week. And if you haven't watched that, it was absolutely amazing conversation. 
um, where he was saying, look, AI is sort of this alien intelligence. It's going to go out into the world and discern patterns and incredible things and incredible new insights that we would never have been able to, to pick up on our own. And it's going to need a way of translating that insight, translating that information into a lan language we can speak. And what AI will do is build virtual worlds that show us that insight. Instead of trying to tell us which will be extremely difficult in language, what it will do is will, it will build representations that show us what it's trying to say. And I just thought that was such a profound point too about the collision between virtual worlds and AI, which I am just, yeah, utterly obsessed with. So I think so he's hugely on the right track. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. So this is, I'm sure, blowing people's minds listening to that idea. Maybe people are really excited. Maybe it makes them fearful. It sounds very sci-fi matrixy. Um, but but Raoul, um, to to your point and also yours, David, there there does seem to be this negative connotation um, and and almost like resistance to these ideas. Um, and certainly in the hype cycle, you know, metaverse was equated with this virtual world for people with too much time, too much money to buy, you know, um, no offense, Raoul, ape JPEGs and virtual yachts and all hang out. It was very, um, but you know, so, and there was real pushback on that. Is that, how should we think about that? Because I feel well, like it might be closing billions, people off to opportunities. Billions of kids around the world and adults play computer games all the time. It's literally one of the biggest things humanity does now. They live in digital worlds. They've grown up in digital worlds. They've earned digital assets. They've traded digital assets. The idea that the world is going ever more digital, the software is eating the world idea that Mark Andreessen said, is so bloody obvious at this point. Mm. I mean, here we, three of us are, in three different countries. Five years ago, Maggie, we'd have had to have a satellite link to do this with television crews. <laughs> if not, we'd have to fly everybody to a studio in New York. Right, all of this is another, just a manifestation of where the metaverse is going. It's the digitization of our lives. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy the beach here in the Cayman Islands, that we all you know, just live with headsets on, but it means that the digital world, I'm sitting around me and I've got Bloomberg screens, other screens, all of this stuff. That's just a noisy mess. Sooner or later, it just becomes 3D immersive abilities, whether it's with or without headset. I mean, hologram comes after headset, you know, and before you know it, everything digital and physical merges. We're all seeing that everywhere. And like it or not, those people who say, well, I think this metaverse is a bunch of bullshit, go and see what your kids are doing all day. And if they're not in the metaverse, that would be a huge surprise to me. So it is coming. It's coming to our office environments. We now work from home. Why? Because of the metaverse. Mm. Right? Everything is digital. We used to have physical mail. Now we have digital mail. We used to have to have film with actual film. And now we just stream it digitally. We yeah. used to have to dial up somebody on a phone and now we have these mobile phones that last everywhere. I'm here in Little Cayman and why this image is good now, because now I'm on Starlink. I got a hundred meg or 200 meg up and down 
in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. All of the digital world is coming at us so fast, and that is the metaverse. It just is the meeting point. It's the end game. Yeah, so don't get hung up on maybe some of the language. There, there, we could do a whole show on where that resistance is coming from because I, I, th- I do think it feels different well, this time. Fear, it's fear, Maggie. Yeah. It's fear for what you knew. I grew up on a bicycle in the street playing games with friends and blah, 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 right? And suddenly I go and see my friend's kids and they've got headsets on and they're talking to their mates around the world while play, playing Minecraft. And I'm like, this is not what I know. Well, I think when you're and doing Josh well, you're, more, you're less fearful. Yeah, and, not, and Josh, people don't feel like they're doing well, then that right. change so, seems seems negative. Socioeconomically, uh, the harder you've struggled and the, you know, the middle classes have been holed out globally, it's just like it's another thing I need to deal with. I yeah. just want my fucking job and I just want to get paid and I just want to get ahead in life and I want to buy a house. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So another fantastic conversation that you had, Raul, is with Jordi Visser. And I picked this one because um, we've seen, and we have a couple questions about crypto. So we've seen crypto lighting up in the last couple of weeks. This has also been sort of an added layer of complexity, but something very interesting happening um, on the on the macro landscape. And you talked about it a little with a little bit with him. Let's have a listen to that. Rates stay at five percent. Since it's five percent across the curve, you pretty much know what you're going to get in returns on bonds. Everyone still is looking for an asset that can grow more than ten percent. Everybody. Uh, I hear it in my world, on the hedge fund world. Well, you have to give me ten because if five is the new benchmark of Fed funds, what could be a better world for crypto than that like situation that I put together? If you have ten percent of your money in in Bitcoin and you have ninety percent in Fed funds. Worst case scenario at the end of the year, you lose everything in Bitcoin. You've still made 90% on 5.5%. That's why I think Bitcoin will start to replace a lot of the assets and bonds and stocks because they can't outperform Fed funds rates with no business cycles, in my opinion. Uh, so, Raul, give it, just give us, you had the whole conversation with them. That was so interesting and, and very similar to the point you were making before. Um, where are we? Where, where are we in the crypto cycle? I mean, so, you made the call at the beginning of the year, but there's still a lot of people, again, who have a lot of resistance to this. Jordy's great for me. There's a few people that come from my old macro world that speak new world. Dan Tapiero and crypto. Dan Moorhead and crypto. Jordy is exponential age plus crypto. You know, he's just a profoundly deep thinker, and it's just really enjoyable to talk to him. And his thesis is, which is actually parallels my thesis, is this is a digital nation state of crypto made up of sub-nations. And that the returns are superior and that it's going to eat jobs from the, the major economy because the opportunities are larger because the asymmetricness of the space. He's also like, you know, the return profile is so ridiculously prolific, even with the up and down cycles, but even with rates at 5%, he thinks they stay at 5%. You know, we had a discussion around that. He said that the issue is, is capital looks at that 5%, turns its head, looks at uh, the S&P up 8%. It's like, well, you know, I was quite happy not to take the risk. You look at Bitcoin up 100% or Solana up 220%. And surely enough, money will le- leak into risk-taking. And it's something him and I talked about is the ETF 
how I think of the ETF, how people should use it in a mental model is if the digital nation state of crypto, new world, and TradFi, old world, what the ETF is, is nothing more than a trade agreement between these two countries. And the trade agreement, it, once it's put in place, doesn't necessarily mean the money comes in. It's the TradFi guys need to look at crypto, go, there's higher rates of return. And right now, that's proving itself. So the probability over time of foreign direct investment, FDI, coming from TradFi world into new world is very high. And then they will add a second trade agreement, which will be the ETH spot ETF. So if you think of these as trade agreements between these digital worlds, it gets very interesting. And that's what Geordie also talked about was the competition for talent from two different countries. Mm. Old world and new world is very hard for TradFi to hire the best people anymore because they'd rather go to crypto. Why? Because they get paid more and the upside opportunities more. It's why AI is sucking in all the jobs and AT&T can't hire them. You know, it's, the, it's, a, it's a really different world we're going into. And this new world that I've always called the super massive black hole just continues. I mean, we've got 425 million active wallets now. By the time this bull market finishes in, let's say, 2026, there'll be a billion people using it. That's a country the size of China. Wow, that's mind blowing. I love the idea of thinking about it as trade agreements. I think that's so interesting because it sort of well, takes the politics out of it, if you will. They're just country. They're just digital countries, digital nation states that has allocation of resources, taxation, which is fees on the for using the the um, protocol. You even have kind of security costs, which is the same as military costs. You have a finance system, which will be DeFi. You have an asset system like NFTs and other assets. You've got, you know, it's when you look at it, when you just get rid of all the terminology, it's a borderless state mm. with its own currency. And it's a bloody big one. Yeah, and getting bigger. Amazing. Uh, Peter is asking, uh, David, what are thoughts on music and NFTs? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, just... Going back to what Raoul said, you know, by 2026, a, a billion wallets. What's so exciting about this next run that's coming is I think you're starting to approach something, some form of the mainstreaming of crypto and of and of blockchains. And because I'm a technology person, it's really the underlying technology that so fascinates me. The ability to, we're just at the beginning of starting to understand and explore what blockchains really mean. The ability to allow people to collaborate at scale, distributed collaboration at huge scale with no trusted middleman, with no trusted intermediary uh, is utterly revolutionary because that, that can reshape the way we order our societies and the way we do all kinds of social collaboration. We've started with what one of the most obvious forms of social collaboration, and that's money. And, and it's always required a trusted middleman. It takes a central bank. There has to be a government standing behind the money, except now there doesn't, because now you have blockchains and you can do Bitcoin, you can do ETH and so on. Hmm. But what else is that going to lead to? And when, when with this next run, you start to approach the mainstreaming of blockchains and of blockchain-based currencies, what else is that going to do? You know, if you I listen... 
If you listen to the founder of ETH, he's got incredible visions for the restructuring, essentially, of societies around distributed collaboration. It's it's incredible. I think this bull market that's coming or has just started is something I refer to the everything, everywhere, all at once bull market. It's not going to be one theme. It's you know, $67 billion went into VC in the last cycle. There's a bunch of people build, building deep tech, but there's a whole group building the applications layer. Mm. So music and NFTs. Mm. I, I know at least 20 people, 20 groups working on that. And if I know 20, there's probably 2,000 groups or 500 groups working on that. We've got fashion, all the cultural stuff, fashion, entertainment, sports, they're all working on it. We're seeing a lot of that. That entire finance system has put its hands up and said, yeah, we're building this stuff too. Everybody's building on blockchain. DeFi, that continues. Uh, the rise of new protocols. So, And then there's probably digital ID and the central bank digital currencies and the stable coins. I think all of these now, and game of, um, uh, gaming, which is going on blockchain too. So everybody's working on all of these things. Whenever I go to an event, it's so deep and so broad with so much talent. I've never been in a space that has this much talent. When I was in at Goldman Sachs, we could employ, I don't know why they employed me from a terrible university that only got accepted in one university because he failed all his exams. I have no idea, but I came in late. But generally, it was the best of the best of the best of the best. We were nuclear scientists, astrophysicists, you know, everybody came to work for us. Um, but that dwarf is dwarfed by the talent coming into this space, into the crypto space. It's everything from Snoop Dogg yeah. to, to astrophysicists, from finance people to graphic artists. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's, yeah, it's, it's the combination across culture. Like it's, it's, it's so many different segments of culture and in modern life. Said, it's this super massive black hole. You know, as I've talked about before, I was at Ian Rogers' house from Ledger in Paris, and I'm sitting next to me in this, like, deep tech guy, finance guy, music artist, um, NFT artist, all around a table, which would never happen. Oh, and fashion people. At one table, talking about a common interest. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah and music is going to be really interesting because you'll be able, you can essentially sort of, it's a new way of capturing a, a a new form of value out of music because you can essentially um, mint as an NFT a live performance and allow someone to own a live performance. You couldn't really do that before. And that's what I mean when I try to strike at, you know, what what is what is this underlying technology going to unlock? And that's just one tiny example. And there's, there's, look, there's decades of innovation left just around exploring all of that. And in music, 80% of the economics is taken by middlemen. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah, well, we're seeing, and we're seeing the ladies break that, by the way. It's <laughs> worth a billion bucks, they say today. That means somebody else has made eight billion bucks or whatever it is, yeah. seven billion bucks. Well, she's bucks. cutting out a lot of the middle that she's able yes, to do she, that, but not many are. 
And Geordie and I talked about this. She's using a lot of crypto-based principles for what she's doing, which is yeah. super interesting. Which I was just wondering while you were talking about that, it, who will be the first mainstream to really move in that direction? And you've got to think it's it's some of these artists who are already sort of laying the yeah. laying rails. The last cycle, I had some conversations with some pretty well-known kind of billionaire music artists and with a lot of people, yeah, really important people in that whole space. They'll get it. The hard yeah. thing is the IP rights. So yeah. Taylor Swift basically nuked all of her old IP rights and re-recorded her albums. Um, it's the IP right issue that's the real problem. So some bands like Radiohead own all of their IP rights. Most people don't. Yeah. And you're gonna, it's going to have to be big enough to sort of draw the, the draw the numbers and kind of break down that first barrier. Um, I want to ask this question. We, we have a lot of different ones, so I'm going to try to bop around. But um, just because we've seen crypto on the move, um, Raymond asking, Raul, do you see Solana possibly having a futures spot ETF eventually as long as it continues to be adopted by more users? Um, I don't know. It depends where the regulators lie with Solana. You know, they've got to fight the battle with ETH first before they'll get to Solana. Solana was later cycle, VC-driven, different dynamics. My guess is not this cycle. Mm. So I just want to mention, if you're listening to this too and you think, okay, crypto is not really my space, this is exactly why, uh, because of these questions and because of what Rao was just talking about, um, everyone kind of moving to this place where you can see traditional money coming in. Um, we have the Crypto Academy that we launched so that if you didn't participate in the last round or if you have some reticence because you don't feel like you understand it, um, we're, we pulled in a whole branch from our academy and are making it Crypto Academy because so many of you asked us for it. And it's good to go into this cycle yeah, and more look, informed. What's, what's so good is a lot of people, and what I'm sure we'll get in the comments section on YouTube, is like, oh, they're just shilling crypto again. It's like, yeah. listen, there's a lot of extremely serious people in this space. You may not like this space, but a lot of people do. And what's what I love about crypto is, to put it in perspective, the largest online brokerage in the US is Robin Hood. They have 22 million accounts. Maggie, what are you drinking? Rosé. Having a nice little rosé, oh, Jealous. I'm I can't jealous. do an hour with you and David on a Friday <laughs> where the week has kicked my ass without having something. Plus we have some, some members who are having a beverage. Someone's watching rugby and us oh, um, and having a drink. I'm so I can't leave Maggie. them on their own, can yeah. I? It's just a, it was a very perfect looking glass. I was like, that's really, really exactly what I want. It's quite hot uh, here today. So I, I had to sort of take a step back from the winter drink. So, um, so Robinhood, 22 million accounts. Coinbase, 108 million accounts. What, what has happened is, and if you look at the demographic skew of crypto, it's brought in a lot of younger people who've not had much finance experience. Many people came in in 2020. So they've given it a go. People have made money. People have lost money. They've gone through the ride, but people kind of get it, but they don't want to make the same mistakes they made. And the Crypto Academy is taking two good friends of mine who are also millennials, unlike me, um, from the uh, TradFi world. They were both emerging market credit traders from Barclays. They know their shit. They then left it, went to crypto world, started trading crypto, did really well, then started an NFT community called Wrecked Guy, which became a cultural icon of the space. Ovi became an artist in the space as well with Red Light District and other stuff. And these guys traded board eight yacht clubs, like they, I don't know how many, 10, 10, 20 million, whatever they made from that trade. 
these guys have sat down and given their secrets of how to do it, how to understand the space, how to invest in meme coins. That's a specific skill. Those guys trade them actively. And how to invest in NFTs. It's not for everyone. I, I won't touch them. This is, this is part of also what we're talking about as we do with the Academy is understand when you're going into it, who you are, what your risk is, who this is for, you know, rather than just sort of get sucked in. That's right. And they talk you through how to invest in the big layer ones, how to think about the space, risk management, all of those things, right? It's so valuable. If you want to capture the opportunities in this space, in the bull market that we've started, please take the course. It will really, really help you not make as many mistakes. We will all make mistakes in investing. Investing is all about mistakes. But try to learn from people who really know just to lower the number of mistakes, because the lower, num the, lower the number of stakes, mistakes you make, the more your returns will compound. Yeah. The other thing I think is really important is, so we've, I've been having all these conversations about 60-40 being dead. And you've got to think about different kinds of asset allocation. Part of that conversation is going to be whether, whether it should be crypto. It may not be for you, but if you don't understand it and someone's suggesting you do that, that's not great either. So even if it's something, even if it's just to understand what the options are, so if they're presented to you, you have an educated answer about that, I think is really important. By the way, somebody said, every time Maggie speaks to Ralph, she sounds bullish. And then when she speaks to everybody else on Real Vision, she sounds bearish. No, no, no. It's not that simple, right? I, because I, I smile and they don't. They all come <laughs> up and sell doom and I come I, on with a smile and you smile. I think that I probably have the posture that a lot of people do, which is that our community uh, wants to learn. They're forward thinking and optimistic. What choice do we have? But I have a great degree of skepticism about everything, which is That's what why you need you a glass of wine in your hands. Exactly. What you should, uh, what you should have as well. Right. So, so it's not optimist or pessimist bull or bear. It's just being really smart about the decisions you make. Um, and I think that's what everyone's trying to do. Okay. Let's see what other kind of questions we have. So David, while, while I'm looking, I'm, I'm really interested in what you're most excited about. So we just scrape the surface on your conversation with Evan. I remember listening to part where he was talking about Apple. Sorry, Maggie, just one thing about Evan, just sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So Evan is one of the leads or even the head of spatial compute at AWS, Amazon. He's a Real Vision member. He reached out to me and said, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about this. So I'm writing some essays. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. His ex-boss, no, not his ex-boss, his ex-boss had a head of product on the hardware side, Baxel, was also a Real Vision. Was is also a Real Vision member. He'd been on Real Vision. This guy's been on Real Vision. They just come out of the community. This is not Amazing. like we hunted this guy down. He's like, hey, I'm. He's like DMing you, fan. Let me just come on. We've got several people from really senior positions in Amazon, all within the Real Vision community. Was so. This is really a community member coming on to teach community members. It's amazing. Which is amazing. Um, and yes, I, 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 I went once, once, now that I know that, I'll be sending him a message. Watch out. Um, and by the way, y'all know you can message Rao directly. I on think the you, new can, platform. you can message Evan as well. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to find his handle. Um, and I'm going to check because I may have you know some where questions. he lives. So you just spin the Atlas around to LA, look for Evan, he'll be there. Yeah, that, oh, there oh, you, you go. Can, well, you, and now you, you just gave search, a in the search, you could just put the name in. And we have a question about the platform. We are going to be doing another town hall, by the way, on all of the features on the new platform um, that will be coming up. We will be sure to let you know. Um, David, I was going to ask you, though, um, so what, what else sort of came to mind when you were talking about 
talking to Evan and that got you really excited. Yeah, it was an incredible conversation and he he's very much at the he's very much at the intersection of, of AI and the metaverse and AI and virtual worlds and I think we were of a like mind um that uh, people uh, many people's first encounter with with you know what we're still calling the metaverse at the moment with virtual worlds will will be through work you know and this is again one of my one of my current obsessions i mean we're, we're, we're building the capability to create incredible next generation simulations inside virtual worlds, to bring physical reality into virtual space and emulate complex physical uh, environments and physical processes. And I, you know, I've talked before, I'm sure on the daily briefing about NVIDIA and its Omniverse platform. And you have uh, companies like BMW using Omniverse, which is a simulation platform to simulate just like entire factories inside this platform and rearrange them and, and sort them out and, and then bring that learning into the physical factory. This week, my mind was totally blown. And I think I mentioned this in, in the conversation that I had with Rao that kicked off the week, um, totally mind blown by what NVIDIA are doing inside Omniverse now. They have this AI agent called Eureka that is writing code that trains simulated robots inside virtual space to perform complex operations um, with, with essentially no human input required. So this, this, this AI agent writes code, sets the simulated robots off on a, on a process of trial and error learning, gathers feedback from that, iterates the code, improves the learning, and it's taught simulated robots to do all kinds of incredible things, you know, Rubik's cubes and open doors and teaching robots to navigate through physical space and do useful work in physical reality is incredibly difficult i think because of these kinds of technologies we're on the verge of a of an explosion in robot competence and if you look at amazon this week right trialing a humanoid robot called um digit i think it is in their warehouses we're on the cusp of an incredible moment when it comes to robotics and you and, and it's just such a powerful sign of how all these exponential mega trends layer on top of one another and, ai simulations robotics and so on and also what's so important about this is part of the exponential age thesis and the everything code and all of this stuff is like gdp growth is driven by population growth productivity growth and debt growth population growth is slowing down everywhere we are about and people need to get their heads over this because they cannot understand this yet. We're about to create infinite population. Productive units are now not a scarce resource. It's infinite. The robots with AI or just AI, that's human minds, human bodies, or humans, are now infinitely scalable. Not, we're not talking about it has to be exactly like a human, but doing most of the things that make human productivity. Hmm. So now you've got a planet with infinite people, the resource they consume is electricity, which is the thing that needs to be resolved here, is how do you, how do you resolve for that? You know, humans consume food to produce our energy. We, um, the machines could, uh, consume electricity. Okay, it's, there's a trade-off there which we'll, we, will, we, we will figure out, but that is a staggering change to the world I mean, of, of a scale of understanding that nobody yet has. Even when we throw around big statements like this, nobody really, really understands what that means. 
but it's everything has changed. Because, of course, the, the whole sort of economic outlook and demographics, how demographics plug into that was really important. It was, was previously and still is something that people look at all the time. So well, this is a this this like blows up every model. It blows up everything. E- economics as a science. Jordi uh, Visser talks about. Can recessions ever happen? Because there's only a scarcity of some things now. And the scarcity of some things is basically a bit of fossil fuels, a bit of metals here and there, stuff like that. But that part of the economy is dwarfed by the digital economy, the Amazons, the 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 the, the um, Metas, the mm. Nvidia, everything else is that yes, they all consume commodities, but does a commodity cycle, i.e., commodity prices go up, call it, cause a recession anymore? His argument is no. So he thinks we kind of we can get to this low point in economic growth like we're feeling now, even though the the GDP numbers for last quarter seem strong. Beneath the surface, they weren't that great. His argument is, well, if it wasn't for the pandemic, maybe we'd not had a recession since 2008. Between the central bank bazooka of QE and this massive size of the digital economy that doesn't ever have scarcity, you're never going to run out. Again, we can't think through this. The thing yeah, that it's so all day, big. It's so I'm big never, to get your head around that. I'm never going to run out of Zoom. Which is, you know, I'm never going to phone calls. I'm never <laughs> going to run out of any of this stuff. It just doesn't run out. It just goes to zero in cost. So I, I'm I, I want to ask you a question, David, about time frame. Just one thing, put a hold on that thought. Um, John, uh, put him in, in the uh, chat. Where is the course? So the Academy course is on our platform. So if you are on YouTube, you are not on our platform. There is realvision.com. The Academy lives in the plus tier. Uh, so you, if you're plus above, you have access to it. If you're essential upgrade, you can get Crypto Academy and all the academies, which are amazing. And the master classes and everything, the real investing course, everything that goes with it. But if you are on YouTube and you are not yet on our platform, you should be, but we do have a way for you to be able to um, buy a ticket basically to, to get into just the crypto academy. Once you're there, you'll want more. So that, that there's a line for that, but just go to our website. It'll walk you all through that. Yeah, okay, or, David. Go to real, or realvision.com forward slash crypto academy. It's all there. There's, there's actually a special deal right now. So there's 1,969 lifetime memberships, usually that the annual memberships. So if you are interested in educating yourself, which I urge you to do, I urge you to try and succeed in this next coming bull market better than you did in the last. We all need to just take the course. It really is a fraction of what you would flip around on some stupid JPEG. Um, just do that. Do yourself a favor. It'll be the best. I think it's, I don't know what the price is. Three hundred fifty bucks. Best three hundred fifty bucks you'll ever spend. What, what, why that number? Is that your birthday? Is that your age? Nineteen hundred six. I have no idea why it's nineteen six. <laughs> I asked somebody else. I'm like, why nineteen six? Like random number. Um, um, you know where I'm going, folks. I'm blaming it on Milton. You know where somebody said Maggie has to have a stronger drink when she deals with Milton because I think Milton's stalking me. Um, but that's a whole nother story. You regulars <laughs> will know exactly what I'm talking about. So, David. I can imagine that our <laughs> Paul saying one day will there be a Milton verse on RV <laughs> or is RV well, really the Milton verse now? <laughs> go to find there is, we built a little metaverse experience in Sandbox, 
No, crypto voxels. In crypto voxels, or sandbox, crypto voxels, there's a real vision cool building with artwork, videos, all of that. And Milton is there and he's your guide around it. Of course so you can he is. In crypto David, voxels. if you don't know the whole Milton thing, we will fill you in later. But... I think I've learned a, a bit about Milton. I've picked up a little bit, but I don't know if I have the full Milton lore. And, and, and unknown, well, Raul, Raul tried to say, tell us it was, but we, we think maybe somebody has co-opted the original Milton idea and taken it and run with it and has become Milton because we were told he was dying or dead or she was dying. Could be a she. Um, and Milton, she, Milton lives else. on a yacht yeah. in Captain Teeb, I've told you. <laughs> it's completely crazy, but it's popping up everywhere. It's a little, it's a little spooky. So David, what I wanted to ask you though, is based on what Raul was just saying. So I hear these conversations, I'm sure people listening do, and it's melting my mind and it's amazing. And it seems like it's going to change everything. But then a lot of people in our community are investing, right? They, they want to know like, okay, when is this happening? What is the kind of time frame we're talking about? I know that these are long trends, long secular trends, but some of this stuff seems like it's happening more quickly than maybe we imagined. So if we've yeah. been disciplined to think of it as long-term, but maybe it's not as far out as we think. I mean, you just said NVIDIA's experimenting with stuff. We know some of these deep-pocketed companies are just moving fast and breaking things here. We've seen the, the pace of change in AI. How are you thinking about that? What do we need to understand about time frame? Yeah, I mean the fundamental things to say around time frame are look, you know, we've talked so we talk about the exponential age for for a reason. You know, these are these are exponential trends and that means that just inherently we know that we're not equipped to <laughs> we're not equipped to to be good at, at at understanding that pace of change. It happens far far quicker. It happens far far quicker than we can comprehend. It seems to be not happening, not happening, not happening. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh fuck, it's happened and I'm and I'm too late. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. that that's what exponential change feels like to human beings. So number one, assume that it's happening far faster than you can understand. You can't comprehend really the nature of the pace of change we're talking about. And you're also not smart enough, none of us are smart enough to kind of know on a granular level, okay, like, you know, so when will robots be in my house emptying the dishwasher? Like, you don't know. None of us are smart enough to have a have a concrete, accurate <laughs> Maybe the AI is smart enough. But maybe ask the AI, it'll know. Yeah, yeah, you could give that a shot. So, and then, and then, and then plan accordingly, you know? Um, you, you can't figure you can't try to time these di like discrete technology mega trends perfectly understand exponential change and how it feels to human beings look at the, look at what we've just gone through with ai where we essentially had decades of sort of kind of just a slight sort of freeze and conversation and winter and nothing's really happening and then just it's just smashed into us in the last 2 years uh, we're going to go through a lot of technology megatrends that will feel like that. And it, and and what will compound it all is that it's all happening at once. Um, it's extremely and the, and the, difficult and to they're all interconnected, And they're all interconnected yes. as well. That's the thing is, you know, David's made a big point of this in the past, is like the internet allowed this to it, it infinitely scale because it's an applications layer on top of the internet. So if, you know, 7 billion people have the internet and you release AI, 7 billion people can have it tomorrow. 
It's like, we can't get our heads around that. To have internet, we have to lay fiber optic cable and have mobile phone networks. This is that, which is why it's the fastest technology. I mean, blockchain was the fastest previous technology in all human history. This got to 100 million users in five bloody weeks. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. So I think that sets us up for an exciting announcement. I feel like Steve Jobs, like, one more thing, because we're, we're, we're here. We've been here for 40 minutes talking, but we have a super exciting announcement to make. Raul, you want to you wanna do the honors? Yeah. David and I have teamed together. We've got to know each other the last couple of years. We can see how big this exponential age thesis is, how big this technological opportunity is, but also as humans, how difficult it's going to be to deal with. What does it mean for us on a human level? And, you know, I looked around and actually asked around a lot on Twitter and said, like, who's writing good quality research on this? There's not just investment ideas, but how to navigate and understand these times. So David and I hatched plans and we're launching The Exponentialist. And the idea here is it varies between long-form think pieces from David around this mega theme that I've set up, some stuff from me, some big think pieces from me, AMAs with David. There'll be some business cycle analysis, some secular cycle analysis, a recommended portfolio that's not a trading portfolio. It's not a trading service. This is about how do you capture the theme. Um, there'll also be, you know, kind of those insider talk conversations with David and I. There's a lot of stuff coming, flash updates when when we see stuff that's really interesting. The idea is to try and make sense of all of this. So you can understand why this is happening, what it means for you, how you may be able to take op- opportunities out of it, what it means for your kids. Right? A lot of people ask that question, what mm-hmm. the hell does this mean to my kids? It's the most common question David gets. We've all got to educate ourselves. And it's becoming increasingly hard on Twitter. If you, if you follow Robert Scoble, he now follows... 3,300 people just on AI alone. And he has a list of it, right? How are you supposed to make sense of that? Yeah, sure, you can get AI to scrape all of the thing, but David's our AI here um, and <laughs> helps us do that. So I'm really excited about this product. It's not a Real Vision product. It's part of a new, we're going to be building a Real Vision marketplace of independent research so people can find trusted, curated research that matters for them. There'll be applications, apps, widgets, tools, coming in that too. That's part of this whole platform idea. And this is the first first product for that marketplace. So it's not part of anybody's subscription. So um, it's because it's a, it's, a, it's a standalone product that comes from outside Real Vision. It's David's time, my time, other stuff. Um, so everybody will get an email about it tomorrow. If you really are interested in these times and you want to navigate all of this, let us be your guides. So I'm sure the first thing we're going to get asked is, does that mean that those kind of conversations are moving off our platform? And I'm no. guessing the answer is no. No, there'll be some that will just be for the exponentialist, but you know, it's not a real vision tier, right? So it's not that, but David will be on and I'll be on doing the exponential age because it's incredibly important. This is the most important thing humanity's gone through. Yes, geopolitics are important, other things, but this itself is going to stretch and break and change society and all economies in ways you cannot comprehend. And you need a mentor, you need a guide. Yeah. We all and so, do. so this is, um, and David, I think the 
the biggest thing is just keeping up with everything that's going on. I think that's what everyone's struggling with, that keeping up with it and the amount of changes and, and how these things are intersecting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just, I mean, I just could not be more excited to get this out into the world. Finally, Raul and I have been cooking this up for a while. And I think we've devised something really unique and just, I mean, everything about it is so exciting, but it's the, it's the community I'm sure we'll build around this thing and the conversations we'll have that is the most exciting for me. I think we're, we're just going to build such an amazing community of people around this. Because look, as Rao said, like we're, we're, all, we're all beginners in this new world. No one has a complete understanding of this new world and this wave of change that is about to smash into us. But this is going to be a community of people around the exponentialist that get it, that get that this wave of enormous, powerful change is coming and just want to face that wave of change with a spirit of curiosity. Um, and then we're just going to go into it together and just build this community, like, yes, of understanding and of analysis and of opportunity, obviously, but also exactly as Rao said, of feeling, you know, what, what does this mean for me as a human being? What does it mean for my working life, for my family, how do I flourish as a person, as a human being, amid this incredible wave of exponential change? Um, and yeah, we're just we're going to go on that journey together, and it is just so it's so exciting. I cannot wait to get going. And also, using the new platform, there will be a group chat section only for exponentialist um, subscribers, and there you can chat to David, myself, and other staff, and meet other people in the community. So we could all stay on top of it, right? A community is really important here. There is no single source of truth. And what you want is a lot of smart people. And you know, I know a lot of the people in the Royal Vision community, there's a lot of amazing people in the technology side. You know, like we said, Evan, he's part of the community. Imagine Evan popping into the chat to give his two cents of what he's seeing. That's what's at Real Vision. That's what this is all about. It's we all do this together, as David said. You know, we'll be the the curator but the community will drive it and we'll all be curious together with our eyes open with the pitfalls. And then can we make some money? As I said, we might as well invest in our own device as well. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the opportunities are huge, but the, the human complexity is huge too. And yeah, so obviously every month, you know, I'll go really deep, you know, I'll drill down on, on, on a mega trend or a technology company or a happening just at a depth that you can't do, you know, in any other way than a really long form, heavy hitting piece of work. And then exactly as Ralph said, you know, we'll come together, we'll, we'll have conversations. People I'll be able to present on, on screen. People will be able to ask me questions. We'll be, mm. we'll be able to constantly chat. But also, also a key thing is David's a brilliant writer. And even though the topics are heavy, he writes in a very straightforward manner. Accessible, yeah, because I think it's, I think- He occasionally uses words. I had to call him up today on something. I don't understand what you say. We all need to expand our vocabulary. That's okay. So I think this but is really- generally he makes, he simplifies why, what makes David great. Uh, and I think it's one of the things that I do as well is take complex ideas and simplify them. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the, and that's the key. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, you know a, a, a great motto for, for writing is, you know, if it's not simple, you don't really understand it yet because you, yeah. you need to be able to explain it extremely simply. And that is fundamental to the way 
I approach all of this, and exactly with Raoul as well, who is absolutely brilliant at taking incredibly complex you know, models and frameworks and ideas and making them simple. That is fundamental. Yeah, as we just heard before with the trade trade agreements uh, between TradFi and, and crypto. Okay, but I, I, I just want to clarify. First of all, there's a lot of information if you go to realvision.com forward slash the future. But I think this is important to clarify. Jeff asking, why not make this product part of the Real Vision network or the memberships? Raul, do you want to tackle that one? Because... You pay for your membership, you get certain things. You can't keep absorbing costs of paying other people to do services. We want to build a marketplace. We want to do something bigger here. And the marketplace is, if you think of all of the independent research people, right now they're on Twitter, raising their hand, saying, hey, please look at me, please look at me. Nobody knows how to find research. We want to bring it in one place, much like Amazon brings books together. Just because you have an Amazon Prime membership doesn't mean everything that sells on Amazon is free. It can't work that way. The idea is you're a member because you get a certain set of membership benefits and the platform and all the other stuff you get. It's an incredible amount of value in, in Real Vision as it is. But we also want to give you choice. It's a bigger world out there, and we'd rather you lived your financial life in one place, which is in Real Vision, because you're still going to buy research elsewhere. You're still going to buy applications elsewhere. So if, the more we can have within the Real Vision platform, the better for you. Right. Okay. So we don't want to we don't want to layer all that on and make the price ridiculous for people who may or may not want certain things, they'll be able to go and choose. So this is the first thing that they'll ultimately be able to go and add on what they want. This idea of add-ons gives you an a la carte experience. If not, it's a one-size-fits-all experience, which is not right. So yes, you can have a core foundational one-size-fits-all, which is our membership levels, but really you need the a la carte so we can all have different experiences. Because if not, people complain. They go, well, I don't want this stuff. You know, when we put crypto in with traditional finance on the essential tier, we had three years of bullshit from people. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want this. It's like, make it a la carte. Make it a la carte. Let people choose what they want. Because if not, there's going to be a bunch of people going, well, I don't want any of this futurist bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, and that's fine. Different people should have choice. And that's what we want to make is choice. Okay. But I, but to be clear, we're not diminishing the offer and we're going to continue to add value on the memberships. Of this course. is just We've got so extra... much coming. We've got so much coming. Every two-week sprint, there's more stuff coming to the platform included in your tiers. But we will have a whole range of incredible bolt-on offerings from you know independent third parties, different providers, all different stuff. But we just wanted to lead the way, show something first. Yeah. Now, David, this this might be an odd question, but I'm having constant conversations with my teenagers about trying to prepare them for the world that they should be living in and trying to explain to them. And they've picked up some of the negativity. We were, we were talking about the metaverse and they're like, ah, you know, even though they game and even though they're probably doing half of it already, there's a little bit of pushback. Plus, who wants to know anything from mom? But would it be would would some of the stuff be well, accessible you, to younger think, people, to college students? I mean, is it is it like an investor thing, or could it be for anybody who wants to understand what's coming? It's for everybody. Yeah. The whole idea is, if you want to be an investor, great. If you want, want to be a student, we're all lifelong students. If you're a, a student and you want to really get to grips with where your future lies, which I think is utterly vital in this time, 
we're there for that too. It should just be a bloody good read that you walk away and you're the smartest guy at the dinner party or the smartest guy at the pub or the smartest girl um, at the party because you'll be informed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, we are on a mission with this to supercharge you as a human being. You know, I, I am convinced that that what we're talking about when we talk about exponential technological change is just the most important fact of our collective lives right now. This wave of change is huge and it's unavoidable and it's just it's going to change everything. Um, if you can understand that and if you can orient yourself amid it and if you're part of an amazing community of other people on that journey too, that will supercharge you as a human being. Like, yes, as an investor, but, you know, I mean, I, I speak to leaders inside huge organizations. That's a lot of my sort of day-to-day. They are desperate to understand these technologies, to understand how they intersect and what it means for them professionally, what it means for their organization, how they should innovate to respond, you know, what they need to create, how their customers' lives are going to be changing. If you're in that space too, this is going to be profoundly useful. It was really interesting. I was listening to uh, Lenny's podcast. So he's the product manager who, mm. does, who interviews, and he interviewed the uh, chief product officer of Intercom. He's like, we were doing our business. We had our roadmap. You know, we use Intercom at Real Vision. Um, it's like a customer service tool and very, very good one. And he's like, yeah, we were doing our business, having our plans. You know, we're 900 people. We're doing our thing. We're SaaS business. Everything's going fine. And then ChatGPT comes along. And we had to all call the entire team into the office, rip up all of our plans, go back to first principles and say, what the fuck do we do? What does this mean for us? This is an existential crisis. And they were like, it is all in on AI. There is no other outcome. Mm. And then listening to him, really interesting, he's like, and you're going to have to learn to live with the uncertainty, which is we don't know where it's going because it's innovating so fast. So your visibility to any strategic roadmap is no longer than 12 months. He said, if anybody tells you that they can plan 24, 36, or five-year plans, we just don't know. I mean, don't forget, three months ago, we didn't think we were going to have, well, two months ago, ChatGPT4 Plus now has visual imaging. You can just go into a restaurant, take a picture of your food, show it to ChatGPT4, it'll break it down into calorific value, how it's cooked, what the ingredients are, and how to make it at home. You can take a picture of your fridge. It'll tell you what, what you want to make. I want to make a Moroccan dinner with the things in my fridge. It can do so much stuff. It's now better at coding than humans are, so it's supercharging mm-hmm. coders. None of this, none of us expected this nine months ago. So he's yeah, like, right. how do you plan your business? So think about that for you as a human or you as an entrepreneur or for you as somebody- A worker. With- I mean, you have to, we, we're you're all talking- worried about jobs. Well, so- well Maggie, yeah. you've seen it within Real Vision. We're using it for transcripts. Everyone sees the AI transcripts come out that called me like RuPaul or whatever the other day. Um, we still <laughs> get it wrong. Um, yeah, transcripts. But, you know, I, I talk to my chat GPT now you, you can have full conversations with it. Um, but we are using it for video editing. We're using it for um, creating social media clips. We're yeah. everywhere and everybody's going to have to do it. And that's not just AI. AI is just one of the things, just one of the small mm. parts of the exponential age. AI is the hot thing now. It's the, you know, it's the hottest ticket in town. It is just a small part of the magnitude of what is happening. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was speaking to... Um, to a team inside one of the world's largest pharma companies just a couple of days ago, you know, showing them um, 
you know, a wearable health device, Whoop, that's now integrated with ChatGPT and essentially collects data and you can ask you can ask it questions and it will reply to you. It's a, you know, it's a conversational AI health coach. And just, yeah, just putting this in front of them saying, what does this mean for your business? And they're, they're just having to think deeply hard about what this means for health behaviors and the way the way billions of consumers' lives are going to change and what like, that means for their business. Like I've talked about it before, and there's a continuing thread. So a friend of mine here on Ireland is a, a radiologist, and he's also the chairman of the hospital. And back in March, I'm like, you know, what's been going on? And he's like, oh, I've got this new brain MRI machine, and it's really complicated, and it's brand new technology. And, and he's 50 years old. He's like, I've, I've spent hours the last week trying to learn how to use it because I need diagnostics on this lady and I've got this scan and I don't know how to interpret it and I need to get up to speed, but it's brand new technology. I said, how many hours have you spent? It's like 10, 12 hours this week trying to figure this stuff out. I'm like, how much do you, how much do you think your per hour cost is? And it's whatever it is, a few hundred, a few hundred dollars an hour for the radiologist. So I'm like, okay, fine. Can you ask this question to this thing? And I gave him chat GPT before it got um, lobotomized. So before they stopped being able to ask really deep medical questions. Mm -hmm. So he gave it the full question about what he saw about this woman's scan. And it answered immediately. He's, he went ashen, ashen. He's like, it took me 12 hours of deep research. And this thing has done it better than I could do. Diagnosed it better than I did. And I've learned new stuff. So then go back to this product manager, the chief product officer from Intercom. He was talking the same thing. He was like, I've got a friend of mine who's a radiologist. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He's like... What he said is that now, because all of these radiologists, all the x-rays and scans and everything, MRIs are online, you can basically, AI can take all of them and learn every diagnosis from every radiologist of every MRI scan that's ever happened, ever. Put it all together, pattern recognition, and we'll find patterns that radiologists can't do. That is the end of radiology. So I a radiologist, what is, radiologist their, in the audience. what is their job? Well, their job now becomes bedside manners and dealing with patients. It may be to, well, you've got the technicians who do the actual machines. Now, you don't need to be fearful of it, but you need to understand that that's what's coming. So you can adapt. You can position Again, yourself. That's why I think for workers, you know, I think mm -hmm. we're, that's the, the deep fear that we all have. My, my other issue is that it's so fragmented to your point. So there's bits where you can find it, but just this week, I mean, I saw something with Google and Nokia doing 20 gigabyte delivery to Kansas City. And then I saw some other thing that Microsoft is doing, but it was little headlines here and there. And I'm trying to grab them and put them in a note or a doc someplace. So well, I can how, pay attention. That's how, my issue for time. time but Maggie, how many time. of us have on email lists about AI and there's now 20 emails you get yeah. and there's like 78 points. In it. It's like, forget it. Somebody has to curate this stuff. Somebody has to make sense of it. Somebody needs to make the pattern recognition. Somebody needs to build the narrative arc, the theme. Somebody needs to help because- And we're looking at them. <laughs> David Patton. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, it. David, I mean, no you know, like, pressure. <laughs> we, yeah, well, I mean, now we, we live in an age of such powerful tech hype cycles. As we talked about earlier, earlier in, this, in this call, we're going to help you make sense of that. You know, we're getting further tech hype cycles are coming and they're going to feel deeply uncertain and confusing and sudden 
just like the metaverse one did and the AI one did, and they're coming round again, but they will be different. We will be there making sense of these of these hype cycles, cutting through the hype, getting to the getting to the truth, making you know sensible inferences about what's coming. All of that is, and it's just it's just such an important part of people's lives now. Yeah, and like you said, I get asked constantly. What should I tell my children? You know, this is that that's the temperature this has reached. That's how much it's on people's minds. And we're also working on we're also working on business cycle tools that are specifically tech cycle related. So people know where they are in the cycle. So we're going to do all our great stuff we always do. But this is just the extra mile for people who really want to go down the rabbit hole, want to have conversations that cross over investment, but also like culture and- Yeah, so it's all of that, but it's also a portfolio, a long-term portfolio, and a business cycle understanding of where you are in the tech cycle, because tech cycles can be brutal like crypto cycles. So we want people to make sure that they capture the risk when it's the right way, and avoid the risk when it's the wrong way. And that's the business cycle. It's the best driver of all of that. So we're developing some amazing tools for that too. So this is not just thinking. It's not just navigating. It's will help your portfolio. And that's the whole idea. It's this, you can come at it from whatever angle that you need to get out of this. If you want to make money from it, we'll try and show you the way. You know, we're not single stock experts. We're not trading that's not the idea. It's how to capture the trend in the easiest possible way and the smartest possible way and avoid the big pitfalls. But also based around that is the whole broadness of this whole mega idea. Amazing. So um, the exponen- it's called the exponentialist. And it's- yeah, so you can find out all the deets, the nitty gritty deets on the destination that you're all looking for, realvision.com forward slash the future. I'm sure members are going to have questions. Um, I'm sure there's there's discounting for you as well, but I'm sure you're going to have more questions yeah, about there's, there's a, what is and is There's a launch period, so there's a, for Real Vision members, it's very discounted, strict, limited time period. So check your emails, get in, be a founding member, be part of this community with us, uh, and let's kind of take that exponential rocket ship into the future. Awesome. Well, this is the, I, I knew it was coming and that we had an announcement, but it was fun for me to learn a little bit more about it. Um, we will be having a town hall. So if you have any questions, concerns, um, or issues specific to this versus your membership roll up for that town hall, we'll be talking about the new platform. I saw one of your messages about that. Um, we'll kind of cover all of that in the town hall we have coming up. Um, as well. So that's going to be super fun. I always love catching up with you guys. I'm going to have a lot to talk about at my cocktail party tonight. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm going to now look through my fridge and find out what wine I've got here. That just <laughs> looks so I'm... delicious. It was a perfect glass. It just, you held it so elegantly. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I know, that's yeah. it. Now I put it on every mind. By the way, I think Raymond was drinking an old-fashioned. We have a lot of bourbon drinkers in our community. And John was having some fancy rum drinks. So we've got a lot of diversity in our cocktail agenda. That's for sure. I think I've got, I think I might have an open bottle of Chablis in the fridge. So oh, that'll be nice. Chablis um, Prebring Acro, that's fine. Almost as good. Uh, guys, fantastic stuff. Super excited. And we will be seeing you all soon. I love catching up with both of you. I look forward to catching up on all of the content that I missed this week. I'm going to listen to all those fantastic interviews. And thank you all for rolling up with your great questions. Oh, also, uh, one more thing. I think Two things. 
One is don't forget I've started a new YouTube channel, Ralph Pal the Journeyman. So there's new content coming out tomorrow. Guy has more jobs than I have glasses of wine. No, maybe not. No. So uh, Ralph Pal the Journeyman. There's a new one about AI and the election coming out tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe to that. I think channel. that might be. I think that might be hot rolling right after this. Yeah. So that's great. So just stick and, around and you'll see it. And that's a, that's a, that's probably going to scare you. So be enlightened and, and optimistic about everything David just said. Now you can be scared by maybe, <laughs> exactly. or at least on guard by what Raul has to say about that. Yeah. Just the, my only thing is please don't lose your minds over the next 12 months. Cause you will. Yeah. Well, information is power and that's what we always aim to do. Uh, fantastic stuff, everybody. Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Good luck out there. Take care, everyone. Thank you. All of us together are living through the death of an old world and the birth of a new one. This is a fourth turning, but this is not the fourth turning of demographics or politics. This is the birth of the new technological age. This new world has a world of 3D printed rockets, crypto payments in space, discussions on the rights for humanoid robots, machine intelligence that may outperform our own, simulated worlds where autonomous AI agents write code for other autonomous AI agents. It's a world full of opportunity and full of difficulty too. You see, we are living history and it's happening much, much faster than any of us can comprehend. This is Reed's Law, Metcalfe's Law Squared. Humanity has never gone through anything like this. But we have to comprehend and understand what is happening. It is into this world that The Exponentialist is born. The Exponentialist is a new service from me, Raoul Powell, and David Mattin, author of New World, Same Humans. It's an almanac of the fastest period of change ever witnessed in the human history. A period of excitement, exhilaration, difficulty, and terror. And The Exponentialist really is for humans first and investors second. Yes, the opportunities are enormous all round. To find out more, and get our special launch pricing, go to realvision.com forward slash the future.